The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode of Turnbuckle Talk in partnership with TheChairShot.com, presented by the Hitting the Marks Podcast Network and in association with NDPW.com. Turnbuckle Talk is sponsored by CollarAndElbowBrand.com, where you get 10% off when using promo code JKPODCAST. Turnbuckle Talk is also partnered with Phoenix at FNXFit.com, where you get 15% off all your health supplements simply by using promo code TBTalkPod. Follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching at TBTalkPod. Listen on Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere you catch your favorite programs. And now, pro wrestling fanatics, are you ready? Here are your hosts, Big Joe. And Carl Carafel. All right, guys. Big Joe back here on Turnbuckle Talk, episode 191. We are nine episodes away from 200. That is uh, pretty insane. Um, as you heard in our intro, uh, thank you to Mr. Richard Brunson Vickery for our intro every week. And always uh, good to hear from Mr. Rick Vickery. Uh, you will notice that Carl is, uh, is uh, still absent due to some, uh, some personal uh, things going on. But in his place, I do have one of my favorite Americans, Mr. Michael Jargo, host of Destino, a New Japan Pressing podcast, and coming back this week, the Hitting the Marks podcast. Welcome back to Turnbuckle Talk, sir. Thank you for having me, man. It's always uh, nice to fill in for my favorite Canuck, Mr. Uh, Mr. Carl Carafel. Um, hopefully he gets all of his uh, situation figured out here so, uh, you know, I can maybe get some sleep. It's been a long week, man. It's going to be an even longer week here in the United States, let me tell you. Yep, you got a lot going on. You got the election coming up tomorrow, I believe. So they get to, there's a lot going on down there south of the border from, uh, from where I'm sitting, so... Yeah, I, 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 the election's on Tuesday. I yeah. expect that we'll know uh, who the next president or current president of the United States will be by yeah. about, uh, you know, mid-December. Yeah, <laughs> maybe we'll know by then. Uh, before we do get to some wrestling stuff here, uh, during this uh, past week, we did lose uh, somebody pretty significant in the entertainment business, I mean, Mr. Sean Connery. And I thought before we got into our wrestling discussion here, we would have uh, a little uh, little fun with a little segment here. Here we go. That's beautiful. Mr. Reynolds? Yeah, don't bother. I didn't write anything. Good work. All right. <laughs> Finally, Mr. Connery. The category was numbers, and you wrote a letter V. Well, I tell you what, my friend. V is a Roman numeral, so despite your best efforts, you answered correctly. Let's see what you wagered. Suck it, Trebek. <laughs> That's all the time we have. Good night. Mike, would you get them off me? So there we go. I just wanted to have a little uh, fun there. Um, it was actually inspiring because you actually uh, changed your, your Facebook profile uh, picture to a suck at Trebek, and I immediately thought of that. I was like, dude, I got to play at the beginning of the show. It's so great, man. He, he was absolutely fantastic. You know, yep. Everybody's talking about 007. Yeah, man. But for me, my favorite role of his was Highlander. Nice. Because he was the Scottish guy playing an Irish guy, opposite of an Irish guy who was playing a Scottish guy. <laughs> right. And that's just, that's just 
that pops me every time. For me, though, the, like you had mentioned, the 007, the James Bond, for me, like he was probably the best uh, at that, those original movies. You know, he was the uh, the lover, the hard ass-kicking James Bond, like from Russia, from Russia with Love, was probably still kind of my favorite uh, James Bond. You know, he was kicking ass and uh, winning over the leaves at the same time, so some good stuff there. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed Sean Connery. I mean, 90 years old, man. He lived a long, uh, very uh, very productive and uh, an awesome life, so it's not like his it's life was cut short. I, I heard this morning that he passed away from dementia, Yeah, and it, that, that's the same thing I lost my grandpa to a couple of years ago, <laughs> and in... A, a weird sort of way. I'm almost happy that we didn't know. Yeah. Like I, I'm happy that he, had, that part of his life had become privatized where we yeah. weren't aware because man, I don't think I could watch Sean Connery going through that. No, you know, and then in the wrestling world, you know, we lost uh, Tracy Smothers uh, this past week as well. That was a, a pretty significant one. A lot of outpouring, a lot of love uh, for him. You know, he's a, uh, another one of these individuals in the wrestling business that universally praised and I don't think that I've heard too many people uh, speak negatively of Mr. Tracy Smothers so you know he's somebody that touched a lot of lives in the business and uh, he will definitely be missed. I haven't heard anybody say anything bad about him at this point yeah. but uh, with that in mind I also haven't heard Sabu or New Jack comment yet so <laughs> True very true. All right, man, let's always get to those two guys. You ever notice right? that? It's always New Jack or Sabu. I have noticed that. All right, man, let's get to some of our wrestling discussion here. And uh, for the first one here, um, so basically this week here, we're going to essentially, as the if you're looking on Facebook now and uh, looking at the description, you know, we're kind of uh, rewinding on some popular showstopper segments. That's kind of been one of our most popular uh, uh, deals on this show. And uh, the first one that we have up here, uh, we'll bring up uh, the graphic. And we're talking about Mr. John Cena. Um, essentially, Eric Bischoff saying that there has not been a real star in professional wrestling since John Cena. Uh, I want to get your take on this first, Jargo. What do you think? Is this an accurate statement, or is this maybe um, maybe a little too much? I, I think it's an accurate statement if you're looking at it strictly from the perspective of North American Western wrestling. Yeah. Um, I'm not even sure that you can necessarily say Western wrestling because you get down into Mexico and I mean, there's guys like Ray Phoenix, there's guys like Pentagon Jr., you know, that are, yep. ha have come up since John Cena and become huge stars inside of the business. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, especially North American wrestling, when it gets into the WWE, Impact Wrestling, AEW, up until this point at least, I think he's right. I mean, John Cena is kind of the last one, but I don't know if that's so much John Cena or just the way that professional wrestling companies have decided to format their shows it's not built around stars anymore it's built around the brand yeah absolutely and i think the big thing with him and there are some others you know batista one they have a lot of crossover appeal and they've crossed over into other forms of entertainment and media and have done very successfully and that's not always been the case with professional wrestlers some have done better and some haven't but uh, i mean cena is somebody who has crossed over very well and I mean, even coming up soon, uh, this one kind of still has me scratching my head a little bit, but I think it's still cool. Uh, he might be uh, starring in the new Duke Nukem movie that will be coming out uh, pretty soon. So, I mean, uh, outside of wrestling, I mean, this guy has been uh, kind of knocking it out of the park uh, since kind of getting out of the business. And, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, he, I think that door is always kind of open to do something if he wants to. But, I mean, just um, mass appeal across a number of different uh, uh, forms of media. It's been pretty incredible, See, actually. Cena's getting to the point. I don't know if he can, if he wants to. Mm -hmm. I mean, Cena is getting to the point where he is such a big star that he he's almost getting into that rock territory. Yep. And not, I don't mean that in terms of his star power. I mean that in terms of he is doing so many movies that the Hollywood film studios are going to be like, you think you're going to go wrestle? <laughs> uh -uh. Right? No, not happening. The insurance policy, not worth it. You're either going to be an actor or you're going to be a wrestler. I'm not sure the door is open for John Cena. You had mentioned that the big thing, especially some of these high, big budget movies, there's a lot invested in this in this guy. They don't want him to go, you know, work a match, even a WrestleMania match, and uh, and risk injury. I mean, that's a, a big investment there that could possibly be lost. So I, I totally get that aspect of it too. And that happened uh, in Rock, what is it? I was I it so. fast, one of the Fast and Furious movies. I mm -hmm. want to say where he he tore a pectoral muscle when he came back yeah. and it moved the whole like filming of the production back like six months. Yeah, so you know it can happen. Um, is there a way that we can kind of this kind of brings up a bit of a bit of a bigger question here, man. Like, 
because you had mentioned where it's like now everybody's just kind of like an interchangeable part, you know, especially in the WWE, we see that. But um, is it even possible these days to kind of build a big kind of super megastar like that? It's it, it's hard because, you know, especially in the WWE, because we're, we're working, it's just the, the nature of the beast that they, they kind of need everybody to kind of be interchangeable. But I mean, I think it's something we could maybe likely see one of one of the other companies. And I would like to say New Japan where we could see a big megastar. Well, and, and that's the thing. Like when, when you look at the Japanese culture and the way that New Japan books their shows versus the way like a WWE or an Impact Wrestling and AEW mm-hmm. and the way that they're presenting their shows, like they've absolutely made Kazuchika Okada a, a huge star yeah. in Japan, you know, but it, it's the way that they still use stars to draw houses in Japan. Mm-hmm. That hasn't been the case in the United States, really, going back even a bit before John Cena. It was like you know, once Vince McMahon got burned by The Rock, it was like, okay, so now yep. rather than promoting stars, we're going to promote the WWE. You're not so coming to see Hulk Hogan wrestle anymore. You're coming to see the entire world wrestling entertainment come and put on a show for you. And that's really what mm-hmm. it's become. And inside of that model, I don't think there can be a, a, a major breakout star to the level of John Cena. I mean, obviously, yeah. Drew McIntyre is a much bigger star now than he was five years ago. Sure. But he's not even in the same stratosphere <clears throat> as John Cena no. at this point. Yeah, and with that, too, it's just, it's, um, you'd mentioned, like, it just, you can't, just because there's so many other vested interests or anything, too, just, I mean, yeah, it's a tough thing, man, and just uh, the brand is more important, and I think that's a big reason why we don't see big crowds for, well, right now is not a really great time to, to kind of be talking about this with COVID going on, but, you know, it's a big reason why wrestling hasn't drawn a big physical crowd in North America for a while is that, that there's no big kind of main draw, you know, your, your Rocks, your Hogan's, your Andres, they're all gone, and there's been nobody to kind of fill their spots. But to counter that, do they necessarily need a star like John Cena? That's I mean, the they're making more money now than they ever have because of the television rights <laughs> revenue. I mean, hell, they're not even selling tickets, yeah. and they're making more money than they ever have because of television rights. Yeah. You know, so do you even need a star like that when you have billion-dollar TV deals? Yeah. Now, if those were to go away, you know, then we'd be having a different conversation, I think. Well, but that if they go away, that completely changes the business model, too. For sure, for sure. It's an interesting discussion, man. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it'd be cool to kind of see Cena come back for certain things. But like I said, uh, you know, you had mentioned it, too, that with him being involved in these other ventures, it's, it's a risky proposition for both sides kind of involved. And good for him. Yeah. I mean, you know, nothing against John Cena. If you don't want to get beat up 300 days a year and you want to go make a movie and make, you know, 15 times as much money as you were getting beat up 300 days a year, who can blame the guy, right? Like that, that is the dream. For sure. For sure. All right, man, let's move on to our our next topic here. And we're, we're talking kayfabe. This is a a topic that seems to kind of keep, uh, coming up here, and I thought I'd uh, post this little graphic here. I think it's a uh, kind of representative, a little, little bit of, the, of that aspect. Uh, and essentially, the topic here, guys, is uh, can wrestling survive long term with kayfabe essentially being dead now? Uh, what is your take on this, man? I'm curious to to know what you think about this. I mean, it, it's this is such a difficult question. It is because I don't know as though you can necessarily say that kayfabe is dead because Mm -hmm. you have to look at who the shows are marketed to, right? I mean, the way that WWE is presenting their shows these days, they're presenting it towards a child's audience. Well, to the kids, kayfabe is still alive and well. It's to the, you know, the 40 something year old internet marks who are sitting in their mom's basement. Oh wait, that's, that's, that's kind of us, isn't it? Kind of. Yeah. Yes, I think we can't exist without KFA now. No, <laughs> but you, you see what I'm saying? It's it's yeah. just the, the way that you have to look at things and the way that things are laid out. I mean, our parents knew that it wasn't real when we were seven, mm-hmm. but they didn't have social media to sit and bitch about. <laughs> right. It's almost kind of like the um, the um, the Santa Claus deal of the kid not knowing that Santa Claus right? is uh, 
figuring out, right? But and I also think it depends on on what wrestling you're watching as well. I think other companies do it do it differently. You know, New Japan, a perfect example. Uh, I think that, and I think it has a lot to do with the way that's presented as well. It's uh, presented a lot more as a, a legitimate thing that that's happening. You know, people are going and watching it as if it's an actual sporting event. You even just look at the, the crowds even now. It, it looks very much like you know they're very respectful, very uh, very muted, but. Uh, and then you you go with this North American uh, deal of where people chant whatever they kind of want, and and the other thing too is that everybody and their mother now kind of knows the inner workings, especially over here in North America. All the behind the scenes stuff we see, all the stuff that these people are up to on social media. You know, even for example, you know, I've been watching a ton of WWE programming, but they did this little sit down thing with Lars Sullivan, and it just it um, just it, it just. It, I, I I couldn't figure it out. It just it's they're trying to push him as this as this kind of bad guy, and then we've got this stuff going on behind the scenes, kind of compromising that. And you have this guy here trying to be bad, but just even just his voice doesn't even sound intimidating. Just it's it's a really weird. Kayfabe is in a really weird place right now, and there, there's some places where it's working, and it, and it still is is the case. And there's some places where that's just completely out the window now. What if you flip this question around? Okay, can Kayfabe exist? in wrestling in mm. 2020. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like the only way that you can answer that with a yes is if you look at a, so, something like a Lucha Underground mm-hmm. where where they don't present it to be inside of yeah. reality. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, to me, the, the biggest problem with kayfabe is the wrestling business pr- trying to go out of their way to prove to you that it's dead by doing stuff like Jericho and MJF in that singing yeah. segment. I mean, if yeah. there's anything in the world of professional wrestling that is going to scream to somebody, this is fake as hell, that. it's going to be, you know, breaking into a song and dance number in the <laughs> right. middle of it. You know, that's not on the talent of, of, of breaking kayfabe. That's on the company for even allowing something like that to exist on their programming. I mean, if yeah. you want kayfabe to exist, you have to create that narrative. You have to create that world. That's why it worked in Lucha Underground because we knew it was a scripted series. And so we didn't mind suspending our disbelief to say, yeah, we've got Luchasaurus running around here in the <laughs> yeah. same world as Pentagon. You know what I mean? And then once you go down that path as well, can you even call yourself professional wrestling at that point? You're, you're essentially, then you're, you're just essentially your entertainment at that point. Would you say that it's, sports entertainment that's tough to tell sometimes um, you know especially in wwe they, they blur those lines and it, 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 I, I just feel like the, the way the american wrestling scene in particular is so different we want to have one to, toe in the water and one toe out of the water yeah. like we want kayfabe around but we no but we, but we can't go that far with it right you know, and then we go over to, to Japan and you see a totally different approach, you know, with new Japan, with stardom and whatnot. It, it, it's, it, they, they just, it's, it's like I said, it's just, it's like, it's, it's just a sporting event that that's kind of happening. And yeah, there's kind of little storylines kind of going on, but I mean, you see that in sports as well. It's more presented that way. Whereas, you know, now when we go to the WWE aspect, I mean, there's sometimes they can do something successfully. I mean, even this week I watched a little bit of SmackDown and stuff that they're doing with, uh, with, uh, with uh, Jey Uso and Roman. Some of it's kind of intriguing. And then you'll throw in that Lars Sullivan segment and I'm just sitting there going, what is this? Like, you know, just it's, like it's all hit and miss. The Retribution Firefly Funhouse oh thing God. from Monday Night Raw thing. where, you know, they're just standing there and Retribution stands yeah. them and they close in and then the yeah. lights go out and they're gone. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, you just scream, you just shattered your own narrative is yeah. really what they're doing. You know, yeah. it's like you can't have it both ways. There's this constant tug and pull you know between a sense of reality and the sense of kayfabe you Mm got to go one way or the other or it just doesn't work like i guarantee you what is not going to happen that power struggle coming up this weekend on njpwworld.com nice plug right freaking professional (laughs) minoru suzuki and shingo takagi are gonna have a fight Mm. You know what they're not going to do? Stop in the middle of the fight, do a song and dance, and then go back to fighting. Like, it, right. it, that's just not going to happen. You're not going to see pictures of them on social media having ice cream together. No, but you know what is terrifying on social media? Do you follow Minoru Suzuki on Instagram? I, I feel like maybe I should. He likes posting pictures of his socks. It's 
very, very disturbing. Well, like, even, you know, like Minoru Suzuki and what socks he's wearing today man. somehow is scary because right? kayfabe's alive and well in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Absolutely, it is. And then, and then we go into the, uh, say, AEW, for example. You know, I actually had a discussion with this on social media, actually, some, uh, with some just before we kind of came on here. They're asking, you know, is uh, Miro Rusev, has his run in AEW been a success? I'm like, well, it's, you know, it's a little early to tell. And I, I think kind of part of the issue, if they want to keep pushing him as, as a bad guy, is you got to stop with this good guy stuff on social media because then how are we going to believe you? We just had mentioned with Suzuki, you know, he's, well, maybe with him it's a little bit different, but uh, but you can't be believable as a bad guy if in real life you're kind of being a good guy. It just it, There's a delicate balance there, and we had mentioned it before, and this is a, a famous line of yours, run credits. Run credits. And I, I think that, that especially if we're going to go more towards this entertainment approach, I think we need to go down that path and start doing that. Uh, AEW, I mean, when it comes to the question of kayfabe, I mean, that company was literally built <laughs> on breaking the yeah, world of kayfabe. Exactly. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I feel like, and that's possibly part of the reason that you know when you look at the first episode of dynamite and what they drew for the first episode of dynamite mm-hmm. versus you know what they drew last week which was about half of what they drew for that debut episode yeah that could be a big reason why yeah it's definitely an indicator uh i mean the, the charm is kind of warm off worn off for me when it comes to them but i mean i still catch some aw now and then but uh for those who've been paying attention new japan's kind of mainly been my focus because like, they don't insult my intelligence and that's why i really appreciate about that product yeah that and you know they they don't bring out and song and dance and <laughs> to be clear i didn't even dislike that segment yeah like as a segment it was oh. very well done yeah. it was very well presented it was it was very well executed it's the fact that it exists to begin with that i have a problem with like i feel like yep. that kind of segment is detrimental to the business if you are trying to keep any kind of kayfabe because nothing screams this is more scripted than a song and dance routine right like by its very definition you're breaking kayfabe yeah all right, man. Well, speaking of uh, New Japan, and we had mentioned Mr. John Cena, I think it uh, segues somewhat nicely into this uh, next topic here. And we've mentioned uh, actually this with Carl and myself here on Turnbuckle Talk, but uh, a potential dream matchup between Mr. John Cena and Mr. Hiroshi Tanahashi over New Japan. This actually stemmed off of uh, uh, this idea coming from you originally, and then uh, we kind of uh, piggybacked off it. Now it's kind of coming full circle to you and I talking about it. I think uh, this kind of matchup could be a big deal in professional wrestling, I think, especially if it were done in Japan. But I want to get your take on this, man. What do you think about uh, this, uh, the, just the idea of this matchup happening? And then if you were going to do it, where would you do it? There is not a lot of true dream matches mm-hmm. left inside of the world of professional wrestling. No. Uh, the, the way that the wrestling world has become in 2020 in a weird way is almost incestuous. Like, you know, where, yeah. where you're like, oh, I would really love to see this guy take on this guy. And they're like, oh, it happened in, you know, Ring of Honor five years ago. Here, <laughs> check out the video. Yeah. Uh, it, oh, it, that, that was a great match when it happened in Evolve or when it happened at Dragon Gate or All Japan. or It just goes on and on and on. John Cena versus Hiroshi Tanahashi, to me, is the last true dream match i mean i could i'm I'm getting to the point where i feel like okada versus orton would kind of be one of those matches too yep but to me stina versus tanahashi i'm not sure that there's a bigger professional wrestling match that you could have in 2020 as far as if it were going to happen which it's not i but if it were going to happen i'm with you i would love to see it in the tokyo dome i would love to see because I, I think John Cena is a huge star that would be mega over in Japan. Oh, yeah. And I would love to oh, see yeah. him work the Japanese style. I'd also love to see Tanahashi on a WrestleMania stage. I'd mm. love to see him in front of 70,000 people. I think Tana would do really, really well in a 2020 WWE context, assuming that his knees weren't shot and he yeah. could actually speak English. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, there's is there a more Western wrestler? in all of New Japan no. than Hiroshi Tanahashi? No. Uh, I would say that he's definitely, I've even said it myself, it's, he's almost like the Japanese John Cena over there. which uh, Very much so. Lends credence even more to this. So. 
to this happening. I mean, I kind of envision, you know, Cena appearing at, at a wrestle, upcoming WrestleMania. And then, you know, maybe as maybe like Shinsuke Nakamura is coming out or something, maybe that, then you have Tana come out with them or something. And then you're like, hey, you know what? You and me, Wrestle Kingdom, Tokyo Dome. One of the things that really, like, I feel like, has kind of brought this up was with that Jericho 30th anniversary thing, right? Mm-hmm. When Tanahashi showed up on the video screen to wish J- Jericho a happy anniversary, the entire internet wrestling community lost their minds that they were seeing right. Hiroshi Tanahashi on American television. <laughs> yep. I would love to see him in a crowd of like, you know, 75, 80,000 people because Tanahashi is the kind of guy that even when he came out, even if a quarter of the fans knew and just freaked out because it's Hiroshi Tanahashi. I feel like the other three quarters of the crowd would be like, Oh, this guy is clearly a big deal. We need to react like those people because we don't want people to know that we don't know who Hiroshi Tanahashi is. I think he would be recepted huge. He might be the most over Japanese wrestler in America since like Muda. No, I, I would agree in hundred percent. We've seen, we've even seen other lines kind of somewhat kind of cross. We saw Rock paying tribute to uh, Ken Shamrock getting inducted into the Impact Wrestling Hall of Fame. You know, and I think especially what's kind of going on uh, these days. I mean, I would almost kind of recommend and encourage uh, these company lines kind of crossing because I think that it only kind of increases the the appeal to professional wrestling again. I'd like to see more lines crossed. And I guess it would just be a matter of Vince would really kind of be up to doing this. I know he has not really uh, ever kind of been into that, but I would uh, definitely, I would encourage it. Like like I just said, I think we would see kind of a big spike in interest if we saw like, you know, New Japan guys appearing on WWE or vice versa or, or just kind of go all over the place. I mean, you could have you could have some fun if you wanted to, but just to be a matter of everybody would have to be on the same page. And I just can't really think of a time that's ever been the case. How about this? It happens after Tanahashi retires hmm. and it happens in a Hollywood movie. And it, it, so we almost oh, basically we just get a giant fight scene between John Cena <laughs> and Hiroshi Tanahashi yeah. that's filmed all cinematic. Like I feel like that's actually more feasible yeah. than it is actually seeing them together inside of a wrestling ring. I mean, Tanahashi yeah. is a huge movie star in Japan. Cena, obviously, huge movie star here in the states. Somebody write this movie. Make <laughs> just make sure that Cena right. is the bad guy versus the ace of the universe. And the ace of the universe wins in the end. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting uh, uh, concept. The, the wrestling fan of me would still want to see an actual match, but I mean, anything between these two guys, I, I think, could be uh, money. Always leave them wanting more. Yeah, man, it would be interesting to see what uh, would happen there. Um, before we do our next topic here, we're going to take a brief break, and we're going to hear from our friends over at CollarNoblebrand.com. Fall is in the air. That means pumpkin spice lattes. That means pumpkin spice everything. Ugg boots, yoga pants. God, I hope I can fit into mine this season. Scarves. And baseball tees. Hoodie! Not yet, but soon. The metal tee. No need for any cease and desist here. And hats. Stop by CollarAndElbowBrand.com today and get your fall drop immediately. It's fall, y'all. CollarAndElbowBrand.com You'll be the coolest person in Starbucks whether you're wearing yoga pants and Ugg boots or not. In fact, I like to go to Starbucks without the bottoms on all the time and just wear my Collar and Elbow Brand type shirts. I immediately get my coffee and go. There we go, a little uh, word from our friend Al Snow over at CollarandRoadBrand.com. As you can see in the ticker on the bottom, use promo code JKPodcast at checkout, and you can get 10% off your entire purchase at the checkout. So make sure and do that. All right, uh, guys, let's uh, move on to our next topic here. Ooh, this is a good one here. Uh, Let me bring up the the graphic here first, and then we'll see if Drago can uh, pick up what we're going to be doing here. Uh, Here we go. 
if you were to bring back a a real legend or bring back somebody who's not around in professional wrestling anymore and and have them back, who would it be, and uh, what would you kind of do with them? Uh, I'll actually start off since I, I put up the graphic here. For me, this is just a, it's always been a no brainer. I've had this discussion with Carl and with other fans. I would bring back Andre the Giant. Really, I think the the first and really only I think still true. Le- true, and I mean legend, like true legend professional. I don't think anything, but he touches this guy when it comes to just every aspect of his life and his time in the business. If I were to bring back Andre the Giant, if I were to bring back somebody, a real legend in the business and have them around, I would bring back Andre. I'll not only to watch him, but I mean, even if I could just get to talk to the guy for a few minutes, uh, I mean, uh, that to me, that would just um, be pretty incredible. I would love to have, uh, you know, at the very least, I've seen Andre have been around for a little bit longer. I, I do not disagree. Um, I, I guess my only thing is there's so much of Andre's career that nobody has ever watched. Mm-hmm. Like there is so much video footage yep. of Andre going back to like, you know, the mid seventies over in Japan and whatnot yep. that like, I had never seen that until I went looking for it. And it's, it's incredible. It, especially our generation. It's like, we only remember the end of Andre when he had really become a, a, a bit fragile, uh, the, do the post princess yeah. bride kind of Andre, but to go back to like, you know, 77, 78 and, and find Andre when he was working over in Japan, it's incredible how it athletic that guy was. Incredible doing drop kicks and all kinds of stuff. It was insane. Yeah, he was a he's a one of a kind individual. I don't think will ever be replicated. And my, my nomination is also a one of a kind individual who will never be replicated, and that's Bruiser Brody. Mm. I would love to see Brody in any major professional wrestling yeah. company in a 2020 context, if for no other reason than to see him just beat the ever-loving piss out of some of these guys. Do you just uh, imagine, you know, him, like if you wanted to go do bad guy versus bad guy, uh, a guy who's one of our personal favorites, uh, imagine, like, I mean, Brody spent a fair amount of time over in New Japan. Imagine mm-hmm. Brody versus Suzuki. I mean, that would just be off the friggin' charts, man. I would uh, I would mark up pretty hard for something like that if it were to ever happen. And we were talking about AEW earlier yep. and, and their lack of characters mm. basically trying to base everything in reality or yeah. inside of this kayfabe world that's so over the top on BTE. Yep. That's what I would have done with Lance Archer. When, when, when Lance Archer Missed came opportunity to there. AEW, yep. given his size versus the rest of that roster, yep. I would have made him Brody. And just had him going out and just destroying people. Yep. They they, they, they were right on the cusp of that. And you had uh, Jake alongside with him, which I thought was perfect too. I mean, the, the mm-hmm. exact right guy to be his mouthpiece alongside with them. But just they came a little short. Like they were, they were close. They didn't quite go over the top of that. You know, they had you know, the little segment with him being kind of in the outdoor rink, kind of uh, squashing all these uh, nobodies and whatnot. You guys were so close to, to making him that, that that persona. You just needed to go a little bit further, and then you would have had like a major bad guy on your hands. That would have been really cool. I agree. And I will confess, you know, Brody was one of those guys that up until a couple of years ago, like I knew about Brody. I had read about Brody. I knew the yeah. Brody story. But I didn't like go out looking for Bruiser Brody matches, mm-hmm. and in my mind, that guy's like a top five all time talent. Yeah. I mean, Brody was incredible, and just to see the way the Japanese fans reacted to Bruiser Brody yeah, is man. insane. And those series of matches with him and Abdullah the Butcher. I mean, oh my, my god, god. Uh, that is the stuff of legend, my friend. Yeah, and it, with very good reason as to why. <laughs> yeah. I mean, go look at some of that stuff, and it's and, and then just try to put into context the context of what you're watching. You know, there's so much now that we go back and like I've been on a '96 Nitro kick, right? I remember you and, telling me and that. And one of the things that I'm noticing is the work rate in 2020. The actual presentation of the wrestling matches is so much better now but you have to try to watch it in context. And especially when you see something like the other night, I saw Jushin Liger versus Ultimo Dragon for nine championship belts. And to go back and to put yourself in the mindset and the context 
my God, this was 1996. Yeah. Like, people weren't doing Frankensteiners off the top rope. No. But Osmo Dragon was. Oh, yeah, man. You know, some of the stuff Liger was doing back then. Go back and no. watch some of like the Sayama Tiger Mask stuff, the Brody stuff, Andre's stuff. And, and just try to put yourself into that mental context of, oh, my God, this was 1983. What was he thinking? <laughs> right. And you had just mentioned the uh, WCW Nitro stuff. I mean, I was a WCW kid at that time, too. And I remember watching a lot of, you know, Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, Huntu Guerrero, Liger, all those guys, just seeing them doing stuff. And I'd be sitting there just going. Like just just in awe. I mean, they weren't these necessarily these larger than life personas, but they were doing like superhuman things on this television screen in front of my eyes, and I was always just in awe. And that's a big thing that that for me is kind of missing these days. But we'll get to that later on in the episode. I don't want to go too far on that topic. Shout out! Shout out to Psychosis, yes. a luchador that nobody mentions. I'll tell yeah. you what, doing that '96 Nitro run. Mm-hmm. Psychosis is the highlight of like every one of those shows. It's incredible how good that guy was. Unfortunately, I hear behind the scenes he's kind of a douchebag. Well, that uh, uh, I have a little bit of story. If you remember on Turnbuckle Talk, our, our good friend Danny Duggan up here and uh, in Canada was uh, doing a tour with CW in the wintertime, and he actually had a major accident in, in the snow. And uh, thankfully, Psychosis was there and essentially saved his life. He was uh, Danny was essentially pinned under wow. his car and was almost dead. And uh, Psychosis was the one guy to save his life. So personal shout out to to him. And uh, otherwise, Danny might not be around to talk to us now these days. So wow, crazy. Yeah, some. <laughs> Just some, some crazy stuff, man. Crazy so story. a ton of respect uh, uh, for that, man. All right, man, let's move on to our next uh, topic here. And uh, this is one that actually we discussed, uh, Carl and I, just recently on a recent episode of Turnbuckle Talk. And we were talking about the potential, the possibility of an NXT here in Canada. Now, I know you're not in Canada, Jargo, <laughs> but uh, um, what do you think about the possibility of this happening? Is this something that you're, you're for? Uh, because, I mean... The idea of it is, is all fine and dandy, but there's some other logistics to kind of take care of. But just uh, the idea of it, is this something that you uh, think would be good and that you'd like to see? I hard pass on it, man. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. n- no disrespect to Canada, but I, I don't feel like we need an NXT Canada and an NXT United States. Um, I, the, the styles between those two promotions would be so incredibly similar that I don't necessarily see a need for it. Like, you know, when I look at the NXT that we have now versus NXT UK very much has its own feel and its own style. Uh, There's been a lot of talk about doing an NXT Japan clearly would have its own feel and its own style. To me, it would make a lot more sense to do like an NXT Mexico Hmm. than an NXT Canada, just because the Lucha style is so much different. I feel like an NXT Canada, they kind of just be in that circular firing squad kind of rotation to where I just, I don't think it would work unless it was something very much more like the coconut loop which is what you get when you sign to NXT, but it isn't actually aired on TV. It's kind of that Florida loop before you get to TV. Like I could see a performance center in Canada. I could see them having something like the coconut loop, but when it comes to an actual television property or a a network property, I just don't see it. I think the the two bigger issues are finding a network necessarily to, to kind of get on, but just geographically and logistically, it's a nightmare because even if you just look at a map of Canada, I mean, compared to the U S our population is a lot smaller and it's also a lot more spread out. There are a lot more rural areas uh, and we don't really have a centralized kind of population. I think that is kind of the bigger issue of success with pulling off, pulling off a true NXT Canada is it would likely be based in Toronto and that's it. It, and it'd be like it'd be based in Toronto, and you'd get like a Vancouver tour once a year. Yeah, and it just it just it would be a proper representation of Canada, just because you know it's so hard for people from the especially the West Coast and the East Coast to even make it to uh, Southern Ontario, uh, the area where I'm at. But I mean, and it's not for a lack of talent. I mean, uh, that's one thing that I, we mentioned on a previous episode here. It's not like Canada's lacking in wrestling talent. I mean, some of the best talent that's ever come through this business has been either from Canadians or through Canada. So an attitude of our own horn here, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's not a matter of, of talent. It's just, it's a matter of the other logistics to kind of pull it off. And the, the scenario that you had suggested there too, Jargo, uh, it's kind of uh, reminiscent of, of just how we are as a country, um, 
next to the United States is we're, we're just kind of like the, uh, we're like the, the little brother, you know, we, we just, uh, you guys do something and we just kind of follow along with, and, uh, that, that's unfortunately probably what would happen to NXT Canada if it were to happen. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't disagree. <clears throat> um, and, and especially isn't impact kind of like a NXT Canada at this <laughs> yep. point. I mean, like if somebody that, yeah. really catches on an impact, it's not like they're not going to NXT in yep. you know, two years when their contract is up. Right. So yeah, I had, I had uh, suggested that uh, when we had, uh, uh, when Carl was uh, was on, and we had uh, Mr. Spencer Love on as well about, uh, and I even you know, had suggested the fact that uh, WWE could buy Impact and, and then kind of make them that Canadian brand, but then uh, you know there's some other issues at uh, play there as well, and um, you know the, just with the way that they are as a company now, uh, Impact it would just would be a little soon, a little kind of strange for them to go down that path, but uh, but yeah, I mean essentially Impact. Uh, is kind of that Canadian promotion now. And then, and then we have kind of our lower tier underneath, like we have our CWEs and we have uh, Smash and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, some good stuff here, but uh, I don't think that we'll ever, and I don't think that we should try to execute a WWE um, NXT can because I think that it would be probably something that wouldn't work out too well. I think you would be more likely to see something like a, uh and I'm just pulling this name out just because I know what the Canadian wrestling promotion or at least was mm-hmm. seeing something like a stampede really rise back up through the independent ranks yeah. to the point where WWE would buy them and put them on the network. kind of like they have done with evolve it, but it would take somebody with an upstart yeah. promotion to get really, really hot enough for WWE to actually invest in the prop. No, I, I agree. And uh, I think that. You know, I think Canadian wrestling is just fine the way it is now. It, it's done more kind of like an independent uh, uh, kind of deal, and I think it should just kind of be kept that way. I, I, I think just very similar to a lot of other WWE things, I think it'll just kind of get watered down if we were to uh, go down that path. With uh, Yeah, for sure. All right, man, let's get to a little bit of uh, – there's not a whole lot of breaking news, but there's uh, one thing that I want to kind of talk about. All right, so I'll pull up the the graphic here, and then we'll kind of uh, uh, talk about her because uh, that's what this is uh, going to be about here. I'm going to uh, put up her uh, her picture here. We're talking Miss Kylie Ray, and this is something that's kind of been making uh, its rounds on social media on the on the sheets quite a bit uh, this morning and today. Uh, it's come out now that essentially, uh, well, essentially what happened here is that she was supposed to make an appearance with Impact and then just didn't, she just no-showed and didn't say anything to anybody. And uh, this was, uh, I'm guessing, had to have been at least a good week or two ago. And now she's come out saying that she is done with professional wrestling and then she is removing herself from social media. Uh, this isn't the first time that this has uh, happened with her. You know, she um, had signed with AEW and then, seemingly got kind of scared or I don't know what happened there. And then she, uh, left there and then they ended up uh, releasing her as well. Uh, what's your, your take on what's going on with this girl, man? Is it, it's a, it's a real head scratcher. Um, to, to be completely honest, you, you know, way more about the situation than I do. Yeah. Um, I, I knew that she had missed the bound for glory date where she was yep. supposed to take on Deanna Perazzo, um, for the impact women's championship. I, I knew about that. Uh, I don't know, man. There's something about Kylie Ray to me that has never really clicked. Like, yeah. there's just something that has always seemed off with her, and I, I don't really know what it is. Um, yeah. If it's just she seems very, very social justicey worry. Yep. I guess it, I would agree. that's kind of a thing. Yep. Um, and I, I don't feel like the wrestling business is necessarily the place for somebody like that. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the wrestling business is a, a, a carny, dirty kind of place, you yeah. know? And I realize people want to clean it up. We want to yeah. change that. Yeah. Well, th- that's great, but it, <laughs> it hasn't been done yet. Yeah. Um, w- with me, I think that people are being reading a little too much in this. I really, I think uh, just really uh, what's at the heart of this. So you have to look at her age. I mean, she's not even 30 years old. She's like 28. Uh, she, yeah. in my opinion, she's your typical 20 something year old girl who's insecure. You know, she won a lot of attention and then when she got it, she freaked out. She didn't know how to handle it. 
And now she's just kind of keeping it at arm's distance away up. And really, I think at the, at the heart of the matter, that's really uh, that's all that happened here. And people are just uh, trying to think, oh, maybe she was involved with this Carl Anderson thing, which I don't, I don't, I really don't think is the case at all. And just uh, or that it's a work and whatnot. I, I think it's just a matter of, you know, she's she's just an insecure twenty something year old who got freaked out over the fame. That's it. There are a lot of people on this planet that are mentally convinced to hate their job. Yep. Regardless of what that job is. Yep. And when your passion becomes your job, you hate it. You can grow to hate your passion. Yep. Uh, because you find out that that's not what your passion is about at all. Uh, yep. I think he's the kind of person that really enjoys independent wrestling. Yep. I just don't think that it, it she enjoys being in a mainstream kind of context. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, and there's also the fact that she is 28 years old and, and granted we look at that and we think, gosh, she's still so young. But yeah. when you look at that from a women's perspective, 28 to 32, that's kind of the sweet spot for female professional wrestlers. There's a lot of them that walk away at that point because they yep. want to start families. They want to move on with their careers. Uh, the, the, there's not a whole lot of female wrestlers that are going to wrestle into their mid forties. Like the guys are. Yep. For sure. And uh, the only other thing I can think of with her is maybe there's some kind of underlying, uh, uh, mental issue kind of going on that we're not really fully aware of. And if that's the case, then, you know, uh, then it kind of is what it is, but just, or, uh, or maybe it's, you know, I, I made it all the way to AEW that's and, it. It was not my thing. And yep. then I left and I went to another quote unquote major company in impact wrestling and same kind of experience. And I'm just done with it. Yep. No, I think that's a, I think a combination of my idea and your, uh, your idea, I think is a, likely the case. And like I said, and there's probably some underlying, uh, medical condition or mental condition that's uh, exasperating the issue. So, uh, really, I think that that's all that's kind of going on with this. All right, let us move uh, on. It, it, oh. Stan, but I, I have some breaking news for you that Ooh. you may not be aware of. What do you got? What do you got? Um, this morning they announced the lineup for the best of super juniors. Nice. And uh, here got? are your competitors for this year's Best of Super Juniors. It's a bit smaller lineup. Okay. You have uh, Kanemaru, Bushi, nice. Taguchi making his return to the ring. El Desperado, Master Freaking Wado, who is actually my <laughs> pick to win the whole damn thing, even though it kind of makes me sick. Yep. Robbie Eagles making his return to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Nice. Doki, Sho, Taiji Ishimori. And Hiromu Takahashi. That is your lineup for this year's Best of Super Juniors that gets underway on November 15th. Wow, and you've got uh, Master Wado, eh? I just, yeah. I, I, I saw in, um, I forget if it was like, a, it, it was a, a cluster F tag, all right? <laughs> yeah. But they had, when you go through and you kind of, you know, start mashing things up and it's like, okay, well, this guy's in there to face off with this guy and this guy's in there to face off with this guy on down the line. Taiji Ishimori was on one side of the ring and Master Wado was on the other side of the ring. And I was like, yeah. oh, God. Oh, God. They're going to make Master Wado win Best of Super Juniors. Uh, oh, God. I don't want to see Wado versus Ishimori <laughs> in the Tokyo Dome. Are you kidding me? No, uh, let's not do that. Yeah, for me, it's um, got to be Hiromu. I've got Hiromu winning. It's uh, got to be Hiromu. It's, 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 they they got to go that way, I would think. You have to. All right, man. Let us move on to our match of the week. All right, Jargo, since uh, you're the uh, the guest this week, what was uh, your match of the week? Or I believe you've actually got two. What do you got? I picked you because I wasn't sure what you were going to pick. Mm-hmm. And I, I think most of the professional wrestling world that has seen this match at this point, it was their match of the week. And that was Walter versus Ilya Dragunov mm. on NXT UK. Uh, they, they went about 27 minutes for the NXT UK championship, and it was a fantastic match. Dare I say, it was on the level of a G1 Climax nice. match. Uh, the only thing was it was a one-off as opposed to doing 19 of them in the span of a month. But it, it's an absolutely fantastic match. Dragunov really taking it to Walter. Dragunov, the only man to pin Walter in NXT UK since his debut. He's been champion for like 580 days at this point. Wow. Which, granted, there's a pandemic in there. So, you know, that, that, that kind of 
messes with things a little bit. For but sure. To me, that is the absolute clear choice for match of the week. Uh, so I, I had come up with another one just in case you had went with uh, that as your match of the week. And uh, I'm going to go with Julia versus Haimika hmm. for the Wonder of Stardom Championship from earlier this week, which was an absolutely fantastic match between two women, both inside of Donna Del Mundo, throwing down for the white belt. That's a great match. If somebody's looking to get into stardom, those two girls, kind of the foundation for the next five to ten years. Uh, keep meaning to to check out some uh, some stardom because uh, uh, I hear lots of good things about it. So eventually, I'm gonna have to pull the trigger and uh, likely subscribe and check out some of that product because uh, I hear nothing but good things coming from Mr. Michael Jargo about stardom wrestling. So I'm gonna have to uh, check that out. For me, my match of the week is course coming from New Japan Pro Wrestling from uh, today, actually uh, November second, the uh, Road to Power struggle. Uh, show and we're talking the matchup between Lij and Suzuki Goon. We're talking Bushi, Hiromu Takahashi, Shingo Takagi versus Yoshinobu, Kanemaru, El Desperado, and Minoru Suzuki. I'm getting better with the Japanese names, man. Yoshinobu, you got it, man. Right? You got it. I am so proud <laughs> of you right now. And uh, dude, like you throw Shingo Takagi and Minoru Suzuki and Hiromu Takahashi into one match, and you are always, always going to be in the running for match of the week for me, and just uh, some great stuff there, and I typically hate the six-man tag match, but these guys make it work. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's the Japan style, I guess. Uh, it's very action-oriented, not a whole lot of bullshit going on, for lack of a better term, and uh, dude, I loved it. It was good. Yeah, there, there's an awful lot going on between those six guys. Uh, clearly, yeah. we have Suzuki and Shingo are going to face off a power struggle. Uh, we just saw Kanemaru and Desperado take down Bushi yep. and Hiromu. Um, I guess that would have been two days ago now as of this recording uh, for the junior championships. Mm -hmm. uh, thank God, because I was terrified <laughs> they were going to put the junior tag titles on Hiromu. And yep. I was just like, oh, God, no. No, yep. let, let's not do that either. Yep. We need Hiromu versus Ishimori in the in For the sure. That's what needs to happen. Yep. But just the way that the storyline had been built up, this six-man tag absolutely makes sense. And I just love the feud, the interfaction warfare that yep. goes on between LIJ and Suzuki. Yep. It's just it's so good. They even gave uh, Desperado the uh, the mic for a little while. I had no idea what he was saying, but uh, I was still interested. <laughs> even though I, I couldn't tell what they were saying. saying either, but he was clearly saying it to Hiromu, and it clearly yep. had to do with best of Super Juniors. Yep. So when I see actually how the the blocks and the brackets are laid out for best of Super Juniors, I am absolutely eyeing El Desperado versus Hiromu as a potential final. And that will likely be a matchup of the week uh, when when and if it happens for for myself. So looking I really turned around on Desperado. Desperado. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was something for one reason or another. I just could not stand him. Yeah. And then he got injured and he was gone for a while. And since he came back, I th I just feel like he has been absolutely fantastic. I hate that they got him tagging with Kane Amaro. I would like yeah. to see Desperado and some more singles feuds as opposed to the, the tag team thing. Yeah. Well, and it's just been the deal kind of in new Japan is, uh, everybody's kind of stepped up and everybody's kind of been given a chance to shine and, uh, something I give that promotion a lot of credit for and, uh, it would, uh, makes it really enjoyable to watch. All right, man, let's take a brief break here and let's hear from our friends. Uh, you know what? Let's, uh, hear from our friends over at thechairshot.com. Why should you visit thechairshot.com? Thechairshot.com is your home for hard hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. So here you go, a little uh, word from our friends over at TheChairShot.com. And uh, kind of been uh, one of our new homes uh, since uh, the grill position was sold off uh, to the uh, other website. And uh, you can find uh, us there on a weekly basis, along with uh, a lot of uh, the goings on in professional wrestling and uh, all kinds of good stuff over there. So make sure and check them out. All right, uh, Jerry, let us move on to, well, this whole episode has kind of been showstopper segments, but we have a special one uh, lined up for the last one here. All right, so let me uh, pull up the, the graphic here, and we can uh, talk about this. And here we go. What can we do to make wrestling great again? And uh, there's a number of things that we could uh, kind of do here, but I want to get your thoughts on this first of all. What, what can be done to make wrestling great again? And, and this is a, a bit of a potentially a bit of a strange topic because, I mean, there's some parts of wrestling, like we were just talking about, that are arguably 
doing great just now, but there are some weak aspects around. I think especially here in North America. I, I would agree with that. I, I yeah. see absolutely no reason to change anything of what's happening when it comes to basically the entire rest of the world. Mm -hmm. uh, the UK is kind of doing their thing as they, they come back from the pandemic and the speaking out movement. Uh, Japan has very much just kind of moved forward as, as talent has come and gone. Mexico and Lucha Libre is still huge. They don't, they have yeah. no problem having a super spreader events, you know, at arena Mexico. Um, it's really when you get into the United States and Canada, which is, let's face it, the base of what most of us and our listeners are watching. Um, I feel like the biggest thing that we need to make pro wrestling great again is pro wrestling. Mm -hmm. We need more pro wrestling and less sports entertainment. Give me more of that sports-like presentation that AEW was promising that just never really materialized instead of doing all this cutesy kind of crap, you know, instead yeah. of doing song and dance routines, instead of doing cinematic matches, instead of, you know, who's sleeping with who, instead of throwing Lana through tables every week. Like, right. can we just get back to pro wrestling? Yep. For me, the, the, the two big factors for, for me, I think that the biggest one is social media. I think has really kind of damaged professional wrestling. Cause I had mentioned that, that especially when you have, Somebody, I think you really see this when you see somebody being that heel or that bad guy character. And then when you look on their Twitter page or their Facebook page or their Instagram page or whatever it is, and you see them like in a speedo mowing the lawn or you see them uh, at McDonald's with uh, somebody that they're feuding with or, you know, taking a picture, hugging uh, somebody that they're feuding with, just it, it ruins the whole allure of it. And I, I think that we need to at least try and at least. We had mentioned before, I think, separate the the person and then separate them from the, the wrestling character. I think we're at the point where we need to make that clear distinction. And then we then we can kind of go more down that reality path. Or if we want to go purely down the entertainment uh, path, then we can do that. Um, and then for, you, just, you have to go all in, one way yep. or the other. Yep. You can't have it both ways. Yep. And then I, I also just think that you had mentioned it. I think we need to do just back to professional wrestling. And I think we have to just stop, stop insulting the intelligence especially of people that um you know your core audience that you know is a little bit more kind of in the know but then again you know it, it's hard to kind of ride that that fine line of, of appealing to you know the younger audience and then the more experienced audience i, I understand that there's a little bit of a juggle that has to happen there but uh just there's it's, so it's it's the most yeah. basic things that they do yep. that drive me insane. Yep. Like let's take retribution for example, oh, right? Retribution yeah. is coming out. They're just they're with chainsaws destroying the ring, tearing everything up, attacking people left and right. So WWE rewards them with full-time contracts. Yeah. And then Raw drafts them to Monday Night Raw as an entire faction because they really want them on the show? Yeah. Really? On what plane of existence does that make any kind of logical sense? Yeah. And I think just being more kind of in tune kind of what's going on and not being so tone deaf, uh, I think especially, you know, right now with this whole Lars Sullivan situation, I, I think that the, the way that they're kind of handling that kind of is a bad look on them. I mean, we know what this guy's been up to, you know, we took him back you know, and then he kind of stepped on his own toe again, you know, and then we try and present him as a bad guy, but then we, we see them. He can't really pull it off into the promos. I just said stuff like that. I just, I think that they need to pay attention to a little bit more kind of what's going on and be a little bit more self-aware and just realize that, you know, Hey, you know, this guy has a bad look on us. We need to either just get rid of him or we need to just kind of keep him under the radar for a little while instead of trying to present him on, on the kind of the main stage, just stuff like that. They need to stop being so tone deaf about uh, that kind of stuff. And um, there's a whole history of uh, stuff like that. They've been guilty of it. You know, I know I'm mainly kind of harping on WWE in this case, but the big dog, that's mine. yeah, but that's why they're the ones that make the, the headlines. And uh, yeah, man, just, it's, it's a tough question of uh, making wrestling great again from just for me, I, I would almost just keep it as simple as, Look at New Japan and look at how well they're doing. Try and emulate a little bit more of that. And I think that you'll, you'll find that you'll gain a lot more fans. And quit trying to get cute with stuff. Yeah. You know, like you're not a Hollywood production. You're <sighs> a pro wrestling company. Yep. Just be 
a pro wrestling company. Like, why don't you have Randy Orton attack Drew McIntyre in like the most hellacious way that you possibly can? Like, you know, ends up breaking his ankle. And then you have, you know, like Adam Pierce comes out and we're going to suspend Randy Orton. But instead, Drew McIntyre comes out and cuts the fiery baby face promo that says, no, don't suspend Randy Orton. Put me in the ring with Randy Orton. That'll be real punishment. You know, it, it, you yeah. can rally behind the baby face. You dislike the heel and it's pro wrestling. Yeah. Like quit trying to be cute about it. Just do pro wrestling and do it well. Yeah. And uh, I think the other thing too, it's a factor that we can't ignore. Um, but I mean, what's, what's currently going on? I just, I don't know exactly what the delay is. Supposedly at WrestleMania, they're looking at doing this. In North American wrestling, we need to get fans back into the arenas again. I know that's asking for a lot, but I mean, probably more than any other place in the world, North America is really suffering with not having fans in the arena, Drago. Well, we'll talk about that come Wednesday yeah. after uh, we, we kind of see where things go on Tuesday because the way that the election goes in the United States on <laughs> Tuesday yeah. is very much going to influence when we see fans return to the arena because Donald Trump wants to open the com the country up. Yep. Joe Biden wants to close the country back down. So we will see which way the American people lean over the course of, you know, the next few days or weeks or months, months, yeah. or <laughs> we'll see know. what happens. I mean, yeah. it's a sad reality, but that's, that's kind of the world that we're mm -hmm. living in, in 2020. Such a weird thing. Like even here in Canada on, uh, on CBC tomorrow, basically what's going to be all over the headlines is the American election. It's a little kind of surreal, and a little strange uh, being a Canadian and seeing that that's being the focus on the news. Yeah, well, I could I could explain to you why that is, <laughs> but you know, then we're going to be on here for another hour talking right. about the new world order oh, and mean Hollywood Hogan, Hall and Nash. Yeah, absolutely, man. All right, well, we got to get ready to wrap it up here for this week. Before we go, uh, let uh, everybody know where they can find you in social media and what you got going on tomorrow. Uh, you can find me across all social media platforms at not Jargo. Follow my other show, Destino, a new Japan pro wrestling podcast at destinopod.com and across all social media at destinopod. Even though I am awful about social media at this point, really <laughs> the too. only thing that I do on social media at this point is post my daily top 10 random thoughts on my Facebook page. And that is a segment that you will hear coming into your ear holes tomorrow on the redo of the Hitting the Marks podcast. No longer the pro wrestling podcast. Not going to be a whole lot of wrestling on that show. Uh, but boy, do we got some other stuff to talk about that's going to be a whole lot of fun with myself and the real RBV Richard Bronson Vickery. And we're also going to have our old friend Ryan K. Bowman making uh, guest appearances uh, during our sports uh, segment. So there, there's going to be a, a lot of fun stuff coming up on the, the all-new Hitting the Marks podcast. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to hearing that. I know our listeners and our viewers are as well. And uh, maybe I could be on sometime too. And when you want to get more of a, can I have a Canadian take on things. Yeah, well, you know, as a, a wise man once said to me, you never can always sometimes tell. <laughs> looking forward to it, man. It's going to be good to good to uh, to hear and check out. And uh, with us, uh, just a couple things again. Uh, make sure and uh, go to callerinablebrand.com and uh, use our promo code JKPODCAST at that checkout if you want 10% off your entire order there. And also, we've got uh, our own kind of merch. Uh, I'm actually wearing the uh, the black Termical Talk shirt right now. If you go to uh, our uh, TermicalTalk.myshopify.com and you can check out our merch there as well. We've got like, coffee mugs, shirts, hats, hoodies, all kinds of stuff over there you can uh, go and check out. And uh, of course, on uh, social media, you can find us at TB Talk Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All right, let us head out for the day, Jargo. And uh, again, you know, since you're the guest, I'm gonna let you uh, kind of send us off here today. You know, I'm trying to get back into the routine of this, and and, and yeah. it's proving to be very, very difficult. So, <laughs> you know, uh, until next time, we're off like a prom dress. See ya. <laughs>
It's me, it's me. It's an honor to be the beat. As you can tell in the background, we are out celebrating. That is what we do here at HittingTheMarks.com. And I invite everyone to continue to tune in to Turnbuckle Talk, but check out all of our other shows we have reached. You can find that all at HittingTheMarks.com. Run. I would back up record, but I already have the logic file open for HTM. No worries. Running. You mother. What? (laughs) 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 All right, we're going live. Yeah. <laughs>